Well, church, this Sunday we are continuing in our sermon series through the book of Romans. And today we come to what is, without a doubt, the biggest turnaround in all of the scriptures. If last week's passage and this week's passage were uh, embodied in physical form, they would be whiplash. Because of how quickly and how drastically and how forcefully Paul has switched from one um, extreme of his argument to another. If you recall, uh, last week and the previous two weeks before that, we've been considering Paul's argument against humanity. And in Romans chapters 1, 2, and 3, he has made a devastating case against all of humankind. He's proven beyond a shadow of a doubt that at whatever level we are aware of God's reality and of God's revelation, through creation, through our conscience, uh, through the way he's revealed himself uniquely through his law, at whatever level we are aware of God's reality and of his self-revelation, We have ignored him and we have betrayed him. We have failed to follow his ways for our lives. And as a result, we are all equally guilty before him. Doesn't matter how good you are or how bad you are. It doesn't matter how religious you are or how irreligious you are. It doesn't matter if you are uh, considered a part of the chosen people of God or not. In regards to his divine laws by which every human being will be judged, we all come up short. And Paul ended his argument with a devastating litany of scriptures from the Old Testament that is summarized by the line, none is righteous. No, not one. The problem for us with this reality is that as Paul has told us, for all who do unrighteousness, which is, which is all of us who commit these acts of sin, which is everyone, we are storing up for ourselves wrath on the day of wrath, when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. The judgment of God will fall impartially and righteously on every single human being who has ever lived. And no one will be able to stand in that day. This is the dark picture of which Paul has been warning us of up to this point. He's painted an image of a courtroom scene with God sitting as judge and all of humanity before him. Standing accused, condemned, and without defense. It's a hopeless and a helpless situation. Because no one is righteous. No one has a right standing before God. Not one. This is where Paul has left us. It's a picture of total depravity and of total despair. And then, with a single word, absolutely everything changes. That's where our passage picks up today in Romans chapter 3, beginning in verse 21. And so if you have a Bible, I want to invite you to turn there with me as we consider the glorious beauty of God's good news shining against the dark backdrop of our lives. 
After describing the hopelessness of humanity's situation, where we've all been declared unrighteous in our standing with God, Paul continues his letter with the word, but. Which is one of the most hopeful words in all of the scriptures. Now the word but is simply a conjunction, which means that it's a word that connects two different ideas or phrases. And there's nothing particularly special about that word itself. But in this instance, as is often the case of the scriptures, this word is also used as a marker of contrast. Which means that something was one way, but now it is another way entirely. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. It marks the contrast between what was and what is. So whenever you come across and read that word, but in the scriptures, pay attention because something magnificent is usually about to happen. And that is certainly the case here in Romans chapter 3. Where Paul writes what some have called the most important sentence ever written. When he declares in verse 21 and 22. But now. The righteousness of God has been manifested. Apart from the law. Continuing on the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. For all who believe. Paul has made the argument that we were hopeless because we had no righteousness of our own. But now, a righteousness from God, the righteousness from God, has been made known to us. And in this sentence, Paul is offering to us a lifeline. All of humanity a lifeline. A lifeline greater than if you offered water to someone who was dying of thirst or a parachute to someone who was falling from the sky. Because this lifeline doesn't just deal with our physical life and death. It deals with our eternal relationship to the God who created us. Previously, we had no standing with God. But now, a right standing with God is being made available. It's a complete 180 degree turnaround from the worst possible scenario that a human being could ever be in to the best possible scenario that a human being could ever be in. It's a complete change from the darkest of darks to the brightest of brights, from the certainty of death to the possibility of eternal life. After several long and dark weeks, Dealing with the problem of humanity. We have finally come to the point of what this entire letter to the Romans is all about. The good news of God concerning his son, Jesus. Now this declaration that Paul makes from verses 21 and 22. That the the righteousness of God has been made known apart from the law through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. This is what the rest of the book of Romans is all about. We'll be uh, fleshing this out and explaining what it means and why it matters uh, for all of the rest of this series. So, So from now through Christmas, this is what we will be talking about. But for today, 
There are four aspects of this glorious proclamation which are essential for us to understand that I want to begin to highlight for us. The first essential point is that this righteousness which Paul is describing is the righteousness of God. That is, it belongs to him. It is sourced in him. It comes from him and it was revealed by him. It is not our righteousness in any way. It is his. Now this is significant for us to just remember, know, um, and believe. Because we've already established that left to ourselves, we have no righteousness of our own. If our righteousness were measured like a gas tank, we would be on empty. If it were measured like a bank account, we would be totally broke. Left to ourselves, none is righteous. No, not one. And the effect of our unrighteousness, of our lack of righteousness, is that we have no ability to stand before God except in judgment. But now, Paul is telling us, an entirely new, an entirely different, an entirely better kind of righteousness has been manifested. A way to come before God in right standing, without guilt, without shame, without condemnation, without fear of judgment. It has been revealed and made known. And it comes to us from God, which means that he wants us to have it. God wants you to have his righteousness so that you can stand before him, not in fear of judgment, but in the assurance of his acceptance of you. That's the first point. The essential ingredient of righteousness that we as humans were most in need of and least in possession of, God has provided It is the righteousness of God. That's the first point. The second point to highlight is that this righteousness of God that has been made known is apart from the law. And what this means is that this right standing with God that has now been made known, it does not depend upon our performance. And it cannot be earned by our obedience. It is entirely apart from the law. This means that there is no more standard that we have to meet in order to be accepted by God. We don't have to be good enough or moral enough or ethical enough or disciplined enough or smart enough or strong enough or holy enough or anything enough. God's righteousness that has been made known is entirely apart from the law. It does not depend upon you in any way. There is nothing that we must do or even can do in order to earn it or to achieve it or to obtain it. It is a gift freely given. It is apart from the law. That's the second point. The third point to highlight is that this righteousness of God 
that has been made known apart from the law, it is obtained through faith in Jesus Christ. There are two aspects of that which need to be addressed. The first is this aspect of faith. If the righteousness of God cannot be obtained through the obedience to the law, then how can we obtain it? We obtain it through faith. Now, the scriptures define faith as being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we cannot see. So faith is a matter of trust and of belief. In the second half of our reading today from Romans chapter 4, Paul gives us a, a long illustration of how this righteousness of God is obtained through faith in the example of the great patriarch Abraham. We heard it in our Old Testament reading from Genesis 15 as well. In those scriptures, we are told that Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. God had given Abraham a promise that he would make him into a great nation and that his offspring would be as numerous as the stars in the sky. Which seemed like an impossibility to Abraham as in his advanced age, his body was as good as dead and his wife for all of her life had been barren. And yet, Abraham had faith. He trusted in God's promise And believed that it would be true. And for this trust, God credited to Abraham righteousness. He counted Abraham as righteous. Not because of anything that Abraham had done, but simply because he believed. This is how righteousness is obtained. It is through It is not by works or anything that we do. It is by faith and trusting in what God has done and in what God will do. Our righteousness is obtained through faith. But not just any kind of faith. Because what is most important about our faith is never the quality of our faith. And this is so important to understand. What is most important about our faith is not the quality of our faith, but the object of our faith. So, so for example, if I have an unshakable belief that if I glued feathers to my arms and tried to fly, I would be able to do so. If if I have an unshakable faith that that is true, I I may believe that beyond a shadow of a doubt, but no matter how strong that faith is... If I jump out of a tree and begin to flap my wings, I'm going to be hurt when I hit the ground. My very strong but misplaced faith accomplishes nothing. On the other hand, if I am terrified of flying and have just barely enough faith in airplanes in order to hesitantly board one, Bound for Hawaii, despite my feeble and frail faith in airplanes, in 10 hours or so, I will arrive in one of the most beautiful places on earth. If I have just enough faith to get onto it, the airplane will carry me to where I need to go. 
So the quality of my faith or the strength of my faith makes no difference at all. It's the object of my faith. It's what I am placing my faith in. However weak or strong that faith may be, it is what or who we place our faith in that makes all of the difference in the world. And this brings us to the second aspect of this third point, which is that God's righteousness is obtained through faith, but not just any faith. It is faith in Jesus Christ. He is the object of our faith. He is the one in whom we place our hope. He is the one that we trust. And in verses 23 through 26, Paul tells us why. Look at it with me, beginning in verse 23, where we read, If for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified by His grace as a gift, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood, to be received by faith. It's a big sentence. To place our faith in Jesus means that we place our faith and our hope and our trust in Him to do these things. Propitiation. Redemption. Justification. Our faith isn't just in Jesus as a great man. Our faith isn't just in Jesus as a great teacher. Our faith isn't just in Jesus as a great moral example. He is all of those things. But if we're only placing our faith in that, it does absolutely no good for us towards our righteousness. Instead, our faith is placed in Jesus as he is revealed in the fullness of the scriptures. A Jesus who loves us so much that he bore the wrath of God towards our sin and endured the judgment of God for our sin by dying in our place upon the cross. That is propitiation. Our faith is in Jesus who has purchased us by his blood so that we are no longer enslaved to sin but are now free to live for God. That is redemption. Our faith is in Jesus, who has taken all of our sin upon himself and given us all of his righteousness so that we can stand faultless before God. That is justification. This is who we place our faith in. It is in Jesus who saves us by his blood. That is what it means to have faith in Jesus. It is believing and trusting That God has saved us in that manner through the life and death and resurrection of his son. That is what it means that God's righteousness is obtained through faith in Jesus Christ. The final point I want to highlight this morning is that this righteousness of God that has been made known apart from the law, which is obtained through faith in Jesus Christ, is available To all who believe. This is the most inclusive invitation in the world. Everyone is invited to receive it. The only thing that is required 
is that you believe that it is true. You believe that he is true. It's available to everyone through belief. Now these are four significant points of Paul's most significant sentence. And when you take a step back and put all of it together, that God has revealed a way for us to have a right standing with him. And it doesn't depend upon how good we are or how hard we work. But all that we have to do is trust in his son and the sacrificial saving work that he has done on our behalf through his life, death and resurrection. And if we will simply believe that that is true, then we will be declared righteous before God. When you put all that together, it is almost too good to be true. Because it changes Absolutely everything. Before we were under the law, but now we can be under grace. Before it was all up to us, but now it is all up to God. Before we were enslaved to sin, but now we can be set free from our sin. Before we were under God's wrath, but now the wrath of God can be averted. Before we were under the judgment of God, but now that judgment no longer falls upon us. Before we were dead in our trespasses, but now we are offered eternal life with God. Before we were guilty, but now we can be innocent. Before we were condemned, but now we can be justified. Before we had no ability to stand before God except in judgment. But now we can stand before God confidently, without fear of accusation or condemnation, accepted and received as one of his beloved children. Before we were unrighteous. Paul has made very well clear. But now we can be declared righteous. And it's all because a righteousness from God has been made known apart from the law through faith in Jesus Christ. Church, this is the good news of God concerning his son. And when this good news of God is displayed against the dark backdrops of our lives, It shines magnificently because it turns our sorrows into joy, our despair into hope, our striving into peace, our fear into love, our death into life. It changes absolutely everything. And it is available for all who believe. Now, we'll spend the rest of this series fleshing out what all of this means And how we ought to respond. But today it is simply enough to ask. Have you received this righteousness? Will you receive this righteousness? And will we allow the display of God's grace. To shine against the backdrops of our lives. So that the whole world can see the beauty of our Lord. I pray that we will, for God's glory and for our good. Amen.